Welcome to McGonigal's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections. I'm KRTV KXLH anchor and reporter Tim McGonigal. Well, better late than never might be the best way to describe Dorothy Wilson's journey as a writer. The Great Falls native, who later traveled the country as a military wife, always enjoyed writing from poetry in grade school to short stories later in life. But she says she never dreamed of writing a murder mystery book, but once she started penning the pages of The Green Tunnel about a Native American on the Great Falls Police Force, the words just started flowing. That was when she was 86. Four years later, she started working on a biography of her mother's life called One Life in One Century. It follows the life of Bertie Moore surviving the Great Depression, working on a farm, calling square dances, and even meeting Charlie Russell. Recently, I had a chance to sit down and talk with Dorothy, now 94, about the book, and it was such a fascinating discussion, I felt the entire interview would make a good episode of McGonagall's Chronicles. So here now is my conversation with Dorothy Wilson. So Dorothy, you are 94 years old? Oh, sorry. I'm hard to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh-huh. But you got a birthday coming up. When, yes, that? October, I'll be 95. Okay. Halloween. <laughs> All right. And, and you live now in, in Florida, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was born and raised here for 25 years, and then I married a military man and we left. Okay, so. But I set my books in Montana. Basically, the idea was less research. I know mm -hmm. the country and the, what grows here and so forth. Okay, and uh, so you were born in Great Falls? Was yes. That? Okay, and then uh, uh, through the military, you kind of made your way down to? Uh, yeah, through the military, we got transferred to Florida, among okay. other places, but all in the South. Yeah, we know you've been a writer. Uh, what else have you done uh, in your life? For, oh, I for was work? civil service. I was in banking here in Great Falls, and then civil service after I got married. And the books didn't come up until I, w I was 86 when I wrote the first one, okay. and 90 when I wrote the one about Great Falls. Okay. Uh, so you're, you're, you're proof that you're never, never too old to, to follow your passion. No, I, <laughs> you know, you're ne never too old to follow your dreams, but I never had dreams of being an author. All my life in grade school, I got introduced to poetry. And then later in high school and later in my young life, I started writing short stories. And all I ever wrote was short stories. And one day I got an idea for the Green Tunnel Mystery. And I said, this isn't going to work as a short story. <laughs> it's going to have to be a book. And I had no idea how to write a book. And it just... I got it down on paper. I had no plot. You should plot your stories. Mm -hmm. I had no plot. I just started writing, and it flowed perfectly all the way through the book. No writer's block. Then I got to the end, and it was already at the editor's, and I called her, and I said, hold everything. I'm changing the editing. <laughs> I didn't really change it. I just added more twist to it. And it was a great ending. Okay. So that was the first book. Okay. And that was the, the, the Green Tunnel was the yes. first book? Yes. Okay. Tell me about the Green Tunnel. What, uh, what's it about? It's, it's a mystery book, right? It's a mystery. And uh, it is set in Montana because I wanted to do research up here. Mm -hmm. But I had this idea, and I decided so many books, the male detective is 
macho man. <laughs> and so I wanted to make him a Blackfeet Indian. And later, after I wrote the book, I found out there was actually a Blackfeet Indian man on the police force here in town. Okay. And uh, like I said, it's typical mystery, except there are lots and lots of twists, and especially at the end when I decided to change it. Okay. And uh, as a mystery, is it, is it a murder mystery? It's what? Is it a murder mystery? Uh, yes, serial killer murder mystery. Okay. And it's not... I. It's not from the point of view of the serial killer. It's only from the detective trying to solve okay. point of view. And the, the detective uh, main character, what, uh, what's his name in this book? Travis. Okay. Uh, his mother wanted to name him Travoy because that's how she got to her home. And she couldn't come up with that for a name, so she called him Travis. Okay. <laughs> it's a typical in that there's a... A little romance, but not much. It's mostly solving the crimes and details. And I went back and sent a copy to a detective here in Great Falls and asked him to read it and see if how I did on the solving of the case. And he said it was perfect, except one example they did a little differently in Great Falls in the office, but it wasn't important. So he really appreciated it. Yeah. It was accurate. So you got a you got an expert's uh, opinion and uh, he, they, yeah. they approved. So. Yeah, he, he said it was perfect for the crime scenes. Okay. okay. Yeah. So then I, I um, didn't plan to write another book necessarily, but I thought I got such great reviews on this one that I thought, well, my mother had such an extraordinary life. Mm -hmm. And it tells, I, so I wrote the book, but she told me stories all my life about her childhood. And I got to thinking about it and I said, that would make a great book. Mm -hmm. So I brought a tape recorder up and I recorded all her stories and then took them back home and started writing the book. And again, I didn't plot anything because the plot was already established. Yeah. And she grew up in Big Sandy, Montana, and uh, there were no fences when they came here in 1913. Her father got a relinquishment, which was a homestead, and they couldn't make it, and they sold it as a relinquishment. And so they traded with Indians, came down from the mountains, they got firewood, and they got blueberries, all kinds of things from the Indians, because there was not much wood around. Mm -hmm. and. They existed for some time, a lot of help with the Indians. Then she started going uh, to Great Falls on visits, and she, her uncle took her to meet Charlie Russell. And while they were talking, he wanted, Charlie wanted to know about her Indian stories. So she's telling Charlie all about it, and while she's telling him, he's sketching away on his pad. Mm -hmm. And when he got done, he handed her a picture of a horse. And she said, oh, that's nice, horse. So she went <laughs> home, and the next time they came back to visit Charlie, she handed him a sketch of a horse. She said, see, I can draw too. <laughs> <laughs> and of course he laughed, yeah. and they had quite a, a good time. But she visited him several times, and then, of course, when he died, she went to his funeral, but she couldn't get in. It was so crowded, she had to stay okay. outside. Yeah, and the person you're talking to is the, the main character, Bertie Moore, right? Yes, uh -huh. okay. her name was Albertine okay. Rosaline Clawitter, oh, wow. and she hated the name with a passion. 
and later her family shortened it to Bertha. She still hated it. And when she started going harvesting, her father and her sister would go out and hire two neighbors to harvest. And the men started calling her Bert, and she loved it. So she <laughs> says, from now on, I'm Bert. Okay. But she became a feminist at that age because she worked all day in the fields and she got the pay of half of the men. And then when she got her pay, it went straight to her father. She never got anything. Okay. So she became a feminist. And then when she moved to Great Falls, she learned to call square dances at 13 in Big Sandy and was very popular. They liked her. So she went to Great Falls thinking, I'll get a job so I can send money home because times were very hard and I'll send money home. So she tries to get a job in Great Falls and they said, you're a woman. She could not get a job. Mm -hmm. So she had to resort to hiring herself out as a maid with a family in the town to survive. And she called square dances. She wouldn't give up. She called square dances and she volunteered. She volunteered for 11 years before she got so popular they had to hire her. Mm -hmm. And then she started calling. She was quite well known in the 40s. Everybody knew her and she called square dances in neighboring towns as well. Mm -hmm. And she, she outlived three husbands. Oh my. She was a little psychic, <laughs> made her sick. She hated it. But in the book, there's a couple of stories how accurate she was with disasters she was forecasting. She, they made her sick, so she didn't want to get them, but she couldn't stop them until she got older. She's about 83 or 4. They just started fading away. Okay. So they bought a house. Her, when she got married, they bought a house, $9,000, in the Depression, Depression six months after they bought the house. And she rented out rooms, and it's a good thing because six months later, the Depression hit, and my father lost his job except for three days. It was all he could work. So if it hadn't been for the house renting out rooms, they wouldn't have survived. Yeah. And were you alive at this time? Uh, I was Prepared, born, yeah, little, just before they bought the house. Okay. So you were just a baby, I guess. At, at just a time. baby, yeah. Okay. So. And she, she, they had to do some remodeling in the house to make it for apartments. And she tried to watch me, but I, we had a long staircase, <laughs> and I fell down it three times as oh a baby, <laughs> two, three years old. Okay. But, you know, when you're trying to run a house, do the cap, you can't watch your kid every single minute. But she was a, a feminist from way back, but... Yeah. She eventually outgrew that. But. So, so do you remember uh, when she was calling square dances, which is what uh, she was, uh, sounds like she was very well known for. She was. Do you remember yeah. going to any of those dances, being able to see her in action uh, doing that? They became what? Do, do you remember going to, getting to see her call those dances? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, what was that like? Um, yes, <laughs> I attended some of the dances with, well, I attended all of them because she, unless my father wasn't working, uh, she had to take me along. And I would dance with my grandfather, and he would do round, he was from Germany, and he would do round waltzes, just round and around and mm -hmm. around. And I just giggled, and I loved it. But I tended, I could do the polka, I could do the shoddish, 
-hmm. I could do all these dances. And I became a teenager and I didn't know how to jitterbug. All <laughs> I knew was how to do these old-fashioned dances. Yeah. <clears throat> but her, when she rented apartments, they had a lady, that mental case that lost everything while she was in the bathtub and they couldn't get her out. My father had to climb up on the roof and go through the window. They had an attempted suicide. They had, oh no, they had a suicide happen there. They ha everything happened in that house that could happen almost. Mm -hmm. But over the years it was, they had a baby born illegally back then. And let's see, I, they had all kinds of things happen. I can't remember them all. Mm -hmm. But the suicide, she witnessed the suicide. And it was um, pretty bad. Yeah. Let's see what else we got. You, and and you, it says uh, uh, on the one, the book is called One Life, One Century. And uh, it says it reads more like a, a novel than a biography. Oh, so yes. that, that's, that's uh, an amazing uh, statement. Well, it's, there's, I tried to, of course, I had a little bit just about mentioning the World War. They were German, from Germany. And when they landed here, all of their seven trunks were lost. They had nothing but the clothes on their back. I mentioned in the book how when the German family went to town, they were very well frowned on because they spoke German. Okay. So my grandmother said, we've got to start speaking English. And so that was, and I mentioned that and I mentioned, keep historically where you're at. Uh, I mentioned the women's vote coming into being. And of course, I started out with saying, uh, no one was paying much attention to her birth because they were family was still reeling from the San Francisco earthquake. Mm -hmm. it, historical pots in and out of the book. Okay. So it kind of keeps you aware of where you're at. Yeah. Uh, Dorothy, how long did it take you to, to write these books? To... Well, I joined, I thought my short stories I wrote were good mm -hmm. and I wanted to know what other people thought of them, so I joined a critique group. Okay. And they liked the stories, but my writing, you know, all writers need improvement, and I didn't know that. Too many that's, too many adjectives, that type of thing, mm -hmm. and they corrected it. So they critiqued everything as I wrote it, but so it took me quite a long time. It took me a couple of years probably to write it, also because I was 24-7 caregiver at the time. Okay didn't have a lot of time to devote. The second one went a little faster because I knew what I was doing <laughs> better. And it, it went a little bit faster, but I was 86 when I wrote the first one and 90 when I wrote the second one. And I'm struggling on a sequel to The Green Tunnel. Mm -hmm. I've hit my first writer's block. Oh my. <laughs> I didn't have writer's block. They, the first one just flowed, it just, just came out. And the second one, the plot was already there, so I didn't need to establish a plot. The third one I'm trying to write now, I have hit horrible writer's plot. <laughs> so it's still in the process. Yeah, so that was going to be my next question, is that you, you're, you're showing those lines, at least as a writer, of slowing down. You, you want to write another book, and you're in the process of doing that. Yeah, I, you know, since COVID, I kind of got distracted. I don't, okay. And... I haven't really gotten back into it 
And I thought, well, maybe if I ignore the writer's block for a while, maybe something will happen up there. I'll think of something. Mm -hmm. Or either that, I'm going to have to start looking for another book. <laughs> but I had an agent that was interested in the book, but they were, all the agents want to do a three-book deal. Mm -hmm. And I don't want the pressure of writing on demand. Sure. I want to write at my pace. At your own and point. so I decided to self-publish instead. Okay. And I know that the uh, the One Life One Century is available on Amazon. You can They're all a, available all on Amazon. Amazon. Okay. They're also available at uh, Enlightened Minds on okay. 800 7th Avenue North at Great Falls. And if they would like a signed copy, they can email me at D-O-D-O-W-I-L at AOL.com, yeah. and I will send them a signed copy. And your niece, Victoria, said they uh, hope to have them in museum bookstores soon as well. I believe we're working on it. We haven't finalized it, but I believe I'm going to have them at Russell uh, Museum. Oh, okay. And last time I was up here, I sold them at the Historical Museum. I haven't talked to them yet, okay. but I think they'll also have them. Well, the Russell Museum seems like definitely a, a, yes, definitely I think a fit because uh, he played such a role. That story about her and Charlie Russell has never been published and no one ever knew about it. Wow, okay. As you look back on writing these two books, is there one style? Do you like the mystery, writing the mystery better or the, the biography better? You said that the biography, you had everything there. And the it, plot was there. It, yeah. I really, I was so interested in writing. I don't know, I should have discovered that I like to write sooner. <laughs> I, I was always with the short stories. Mm -hmm. And somehow the green tunnel just just flowed. I had no problem with the plot because mm -hmm. it just came out. Yeah. But the second one, of course, the plot was there. Mm -hmm. And do you have any advice for people who might want to get into writing, even though you got into it? Well... I think you're never too old to start if you really enjoy the process. And I think you're never too old to start doing something you enjoy. Okay. And Dorothy, uh, tell me about uh, your family. Uh, I know Victoria is your, your niece, but... Yes, my brother married her mother. Okay. And uh, she was raised by my brother. And I don't have any family left except her. Okay. And um, uh, she, my brother was not her father but he raised her from the age of four to adulthood, so. Okay. Uh, and that, oh, I have a cousin, Cliff, in town, but that's the only relatives and the only family I have left. Yeah, and uh, you're coming back to Great Falls, uh, grew up here for the first 25 years of your life. Uh, it's a, a lot's changed, I bet, since. Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen sites and the buildings have changed. They, there's a beautiful building they're remodeling and I think it's on First Avenue, gorgeous building. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that they didn't tear it down because they tore it down. When I was little, there were three movie theaters oh, okay. on Central. Sure. And now I don't think there's a single one. No. They're all gone. Mm -hmm. And my mother took me to movies. We got in free occasionally because my uncle was a ticket taker. And so we would go to the movies at least three or four times a week. And on the way home, the theaters didn't charge after the movie started. So we would stop and see another set of movies on the way home. So we would see a movie with newsreel, 
cartoons, and then we'd stop and a double feature movie, okay. and then we'd stop again and sit another movie and <laughs> cartoon. We spent our life. My mom took me there when she was nursing, and we went to the movies often. Depression, you couldn't do much. You've been listening to a conversation with author Dorothy Wilson, a 94-year-old Montana native who wrote a serial killer mystery, The Green Tunnel, at the age of 86, and a biography about her mother called One Life, One Century, at the age of 90. Both books are available on Amazon, and Dorothy hopes they will soon be available in museum bookstores. I invite you to subscribe to McGonagall's Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review of the program. You can also follow the podcast on social media. I'll be back soon with another interesting guest with a Montana connection. Until then, for McGonagall's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections, I'm Tim McGonagall.